welcome to episode 202 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the name of God, Jehovah Jireh. Let's dive in. One of the things I'd like to start doing in the first week of every single month is begin to walk through a series of looking at the character and the names of God. Now, I've talked about this in the past, but the names of God are absolutely incredible to me. It's amazing that as you begin to study out the names and the character of God, it is all a declaration of who he is. So when God gives us his names, like I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, or the one we're going to look at today, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, it's not just that he's telling you what he does. I'm a healer. I provide things. It actually is giving us an insight into the very heart, the nature, the character of who our God is. Back in episodes 105 and 106, I was talking about the importance of names in scripture. And if you haven't listened to those, I'd I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those two episodes, and I'll link those down in the show notes. But what's interesting about the names in scripture is that it's more than just a name. I, in today's culture, we typically just think of a name as a name. We'll call this one Bob and Susie and Joe and Bert and, and whatever. But biblically, a name is symbolic of something. It's usually a portrayal of their character, their nature, their their attributes. And there's, inc- there's some incredible examples, and I don't have time to, to get into those today. But again, go back and listen to those old episodes. Well, with that being said, over these next several months and maybe even years, I want to just slowly start walking through some of these names and these attributes of God. Now, I think one of the names that probably most people know fairly well outside of like Yahweh or Jehovah is the name Jehovah Jireh. What's interesting about that name, Jehovah Jireh, or the God who provides, is that it only shows up one time in all of scripture. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you even to see this. It's in Genesis chapter 22. As you're walking through the life of Abraham, God shows up to Abraham, calls him out of the foreign land and into this promised land that Abraham knew not of. And so Abraham is following literally God's leading, comes into the promised land of Israel. And 25 years before this point, God gives Abraham a promise. And that promise is of an heir, of a son. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Abraham to wait 25 years in faith for this promise to be fulfilled? This promise of a son whose name is Isaac. And what you see in Genesis chapter 21 is this promise being fulfilled where Isaac is finally born. Well, what I'd like to do is just read this section from Genesis chapter 22, because I want you to hear how this is recorded. This is so deep and profound. So Genesis chapter 22 begins by saying, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, And go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I will tell you. 
So Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of the young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place that God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the, with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there and will worship and then we'll return to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, here is the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place that God had told him. So Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him upon the altar on the wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not lay hands on the boy or do anything to him, because now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered him as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. What an incredible passage. And I love this passage on so many levels, but I just want to poke at a couple of key things. Isn't it interesting that here is Abraham and God says, I want you to take your beloved son, your only begotten son. Now, we do know that Ishmael had been born by, by Abraham through Hagar, but we know that he'd been rejected and he actually is not a legitimate son. But here is the promised son of Abraham and Sarah. And God says, I want you to take that son that you love and I want you to be willing to offer him as a sacrifice. Now, in Abraham's day, child sacrifice was was normal. It, it, was, it, was, it probably did not surprise Abraham for, quote unquote, the gods to ask for the son. So here is the God coming to Abraham saying, I, I want your child. And Abraham goes, oh, okay. And it had been a normal thing in, in that culture. And yet, isn't it profound that Abraham had such a trust in his God that he knew that his God was not like the pagan false gods around him. In fact, you see that several times in the passage. You see him telling the young men, hey, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I are going to go and worship which is profound because this is the first time the word worship shows up in scripture. But hey, the, the boy and I are going to go to worship and then we will return to you. So Abraham knew that though God is asking for the son, that both of them were going to return. Uh, you see it again in verse eight when Isaac looks at Abraham and says, hey, dad, uh, where's the lamb? <laughs> and Abraham says, hey, God's going to provide this. God is going to gyra the lamb on our behalf. Uh, Hebrews tells us that, that Abraham had such a confidence in his God 
that he knew that even though he had never seen anyone raised from the dead, that he knew that even if he had killed Isaac, that God would bring his son back to life. That is an incredible declaration of faith and hope and trust in his God. So though the culture around Abraham had a custom of offering firstborn sons to the gods, even though the God was asking Abraham for the exact same thing, Abraham knew that this God was not like the other gods around him. That is a profound reality, uh, a profound declaration of faith and trust. I, I love this story be, for several uh, for several other reasons. One is the fact that there is this hint at the third day, and I don't think that's by accident, that Abraham traveled and it took him three days to get to the mountain. And again, there's several passages or several stories in scripture that kind of allude to or give this idea of the three days. It's like it's building up to something, which I'll just kind of let you figure out what that may be. <laughs> I love this story as well because here is Abraham, the father, with a beloved son, and the fatherly puts the wood for the sacrifice of his son upon the back of his own son. And Isaac had to climb up this mountain with the wood of the sacrifice upon his back. Isn't that a profound thought? And I think that's even more of a incredible picture when you begin to realize where this was taking place. This is Mount Moriah. This is Jerusalem. And isn't it incredible to realize that 2,000 years before Jesus climbed up the mountain Jerusalem with the wood for his sacrifice on his own back, 2,000 years prior to this, Isaac carried the wood for his sacrifice up the exact same mountain. That is so mind-boggling to me. That is phenomenal. There's also this incredible picture of trust. Not only did Abraham trust and have faith in God, but do you realize that Isaac had to have trust and faith in his father? I mean, could you imagine being a young boy and you finally get to the top and, and Abraham builds an altar and puts the wood and you're like, all right, where's where's the sacrifice? And your dad looks at you and says, will you trust me? And Isaac says, yes, dad, I, dad, I trust you. And so Isaac picks or uh, Abraham picks up Isaac, puts him upon the wood at the altar, binds his hands and his feet and says, son, I do love you. Trust me. And then raises up the knife to bring it down. That, that would take so much trust and faith in the loving kindness of your father to lie upon the wood for this sacrifice. And yet Isaac did that. Now, you know the story. God stops Abraham and just says, hey, all right, I provided the ram in the thicket, but I want you to know that there's going to come a day where I'm going to take my only begotten son and I'm going to put wood upon his back. And I'm going to climb this exact same mountain, but I will not stay my hand. I will bring the hand down and that beloved son will be a sacrifice for all the world. And it's amazing that Abraham had looked at this whole thing and seeing God stop the sacrifice, provide the ram in the thicket. So they sacrificed the ram and Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh the place where God provides. And I, I love what verse 14 says. It says, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, or Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, 
in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And that is an incredible prophecy to showcase the fact that when Jesus, 2,000 years later, climbed the same mountain and died, it was the provision of the Lord that was being demonstrated on that same mountain. So when you look at that name, Jehovah Jireh, it's made of two words, right? It's Jehovah. And what's amazing about that name, Jehovah or Jehovah or Yahweh, is the fact that it declares the unchanging nature of our God. It's a declaration that I was and I am and I forever will be the same, says the Lord. So what's amazing is as you're walking through scripture and you see these names that have this Jehovah compound, in other words, it's Jehovah plus another word, what it's declaring is that God is always the same, whatever that second word is. So in our passage, God is declared as Jehovah Jireh, meaning he was, he is, and forever will be Jireh, which is the word provision or provider. The word actually Jireh, the root word is to see. In fact, if you want to think of it this way, it's probably be helpful for us. But the English word provision, right? If, If I'm going to provide something, that provision for you is actually two words. In the Latin, it's pro, meaning before, and vision, to see. So actually, this idea of provision or gyra is to literally see beforehand and then do something about it. Do you do you not see <laughs> that in this passage, God is, provi- is, is the provider? He's making provision. He saw beforehand, saw Abraham's need, and did something about it. He made a ram find its way up into this thicket and get stuck in the thicket. And so the ram was the provision, the that which was provided, that which was seen beforehand that was needed, and God actually established and brought it forth so that it was there right at the perfect time. And God says, that's who I am. I am the one who can see what you need and make provision for it. I'm the one who sees in advance and literally brings about salvation. I'm the one who brings about rescue. I'm the one who brings about that which you need. And you realize that this is God's nature, that this was true, not just 4,000 years in Abraham's life in this situation on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, but God is still this present day, Jehovah Jireh. He is still making provision. And he will be this way 4,000 years from now, a, a million years from now, forever into eternity. God is still going to be a provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. Now, of course, you see the greatest provision of this, the greatest climactic reality, the greatest fulfillment of this name in the life of Jesus. That in Jesus at the cross on this very same mountain, Jesus was provided for our salvation, that he was provided for our rescue. He was provided as the propitiation for our sin. So do you not realize that Jesus, who is the physical form of Jehovah Jireh, himself was the provision made in advance on our behalf? What an incredible reality. May I ask you, what are the areas of your life that you need God to provide in? What what problems, what hardships, what good things 
are you going through that you need God to reveal himself as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides? And you realize that he delights in making provision. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to provide in the way that you think he should, but he has not left you just to handle it on your own. He wants to be involved in the minute details of your life, not just the big decisions, not just the climatic issues of the day. He wants to be involved in the moment by moment decisions and hardships and problems and pain and difficulties of your life. And he's saying, look, I am Jehovah Jireh and I will provide all that you need. And again, this is fulfilled in Jesus. But when you look at, for example, 2 Peter 1.3, where Peter says, do you not know that everything that you need for life and for godliness is provided in Christ Jesus? That when you have Jesus, you find that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is actually not just the one who provides, he is the provision itself in your life. But again, let me ask you, what is it that you're going through that you're just like, man, I need a rescue. I, I need, I need saving. I need help. I, I need, I need something. Could you maybe rather than focus on your problems, focus on the provision itself, Jesus, rather than looking and, and being overwhelmed by the struggles and the concerns and the difficulties and the hardships. What if we would turn our gaze to the one who not only makes provision, but then becomes the provision that we need. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes this incredible declaration. He says, Therefore, I say to you, take no thought about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? For look at the birds of the air. For they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Who among you, by taking thought, can add a cubit to his stature? Why take thought about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither work, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you, that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is here and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's saying, why, why worry about your life, what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear? Do you not recognize that the Lord makes provision? That just as God provides for the for the birds of the air and the grass of the field, so too he will provide for you. Aren't you more valuable than birds and grass? And of course, the rhetorical answer is, yes, of course. Oh, dear friend, may I remind you, we have a God who delights in making provision. In fact, 
he himself has become the provision in our lives. Could, could I encourage you, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you may be struggling through, no matter the difficulty, would you embrace Jesus? For he is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. Again, he is God made flesh. He is Jehovah Jireh in the flesh. Not only is he the one that makes provision, he has become our provision. Let us embrace him. And if again, if you find yourself in a situation that is in desperate need of rescue, help, or salvation, turn to Jesus. Embrace him afresh and let yourself find that everything that you need for life and godliness is provided in him. Well, I hope that's just a simple reminder to all of us to fully embrace Jesus this day. And then tomorrow, may our eyes be fixed once again upon Jesus. And then the next day, may our gaze be forever fixed upon Jesus. And then the next day, may we turn our gaze afresh upon Jesus. He knows our needs and he is seen in advance and he's making provision for what we need. Again, he may not answer the way you think he should, but he is the great provider and he delights in providing. He was a provider. He is a provider. He forever will be a provider. In fact, he has become that provision itself. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 202 for episode 202. And until next time, may I encourage you to pursue the one who is our provision, Jesus Christ.